Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. I was a psychology major in college, which means, as I like to say, I majored in trivia. Now, before any psychology majors get upset, I don't mean this in any kind of disparaging way. My intention is not to say that psychology is trivial, that's something different, but instead it looks at and studies the small and often fascinating aspects of life. I love trivia, and getting a major in psychology was truly fun. As an example, one day I was reading a study that had been done that year, It was a survey of the most common fears shared by people in the United States, and it listed the top 10 fears in ranking order. Of the top fears most commonly held by people in this country, nine of them were life-threatening. Number 10 through number two were all things that could kill you or potentially injure you. It was the fear of heights, the fear of fire, the fear of snakes, fear of flying were all on the list. And you can see why each one of those, someone might have some sort of fear that their body will be injured or they will die in the process of doing them. Only one of the fears was not likely in any rationally conceivable way to do you any physical harm. The number one most commonly held fear at that time was, you've probably guessed it, public speaking. The number of times I have quoted this survey in a group only to have two-thirds of the people in the room start to nod in agreement as if to say, yep, that's me right there, when I say public speaking. It's really striking. Interestingly, I will add a corollary to this truth. If public speaking strikes fear into the hearts of most people, public prayer would bring most people to the point of a full-blown panic attack. Public prayer is like public speaking on massive steroids. And anyone who's ordained has had the experience of going to an event at someone's home and being asked to say the prayer before the meal because the person who's hosting the event doesn't want the burden and the fearful experience of having to say the prayer in front of all their guests. I've watched some clergy turn it back on the person. The host says to the minister of their church, Pastor Jason, would you say grace for us? And I have stood there and watched as Jason says, it's not my house. You're capable of praying in your own house. Let me say that I am not perfect, and I've made many mistakes in my ministry, but I've never done this. And I always cringe for everyone involved when I witness it. Can you imagine you're afraid of public speaking? You're terrified of public prayers. You have this moment and suddenly think, oh, here's an opportunity. Here's an out. I can ask my pastor and he can do it and he'll feel honored and I don't have to do it. So you turn to your pastor and say, would you say the blessing of the meal only to have her or him publicly shame you, embarrass you, and by doing so, draw more attention to the prayer that now you're being forced to say in front of everyone. If you're clergy listening to this, please don't ever do this to someone. Just say the prayer. 
having said this, I am always delighted when I visit a parishioner's house and he or she decides to say the prayer themselves. I'm willing to do it, but always supportive when they do it themselves. Many years ago when I was in seminary, I was assigned to Trinity Church in Manassas, Virginia. I drove to the church several times a week to visit people, make hospital calls, or do whatever my fieldwork supervisor, Rob, thought would be a good learning experience for me. One day, Rob sent me to a gathering of people that neither he nor the other clergy person were able to attend. I was to go and be kind of the clergy representative at the event, even though I was not ordained. I arrived, greeted people, moved around the room chatting with the people who were all from the church, and then it was time to begin, and everybody began to sat down, sit down, and I was told I was sitting at the head table, which was a fun place of honor for a seminarian who rarely gets any role of honor. Then, after some brief words from the woman who was hosting, she began to say, And now Dan Matthews will come forward and offer a prayer. Because I was the seminarian, and I thought just a placeholder for real clergy, it had never dawned on me that I would be asked to say anything, much less compose a spontaneous prayer on the spot. Please know, if you live for all eternity and say prayers every moment of your existence, you will never equal the level of disappointing hot mess achieved by me in that prayer on that day. I'm pretty sure I forgot to include a verb, and if someone who was there told me so, I would not be surprised to learn there were no nouns either. You know how your dog, when you've done something that makes no sense at all, sits there and cocks its head to the side and watches you with an expression saying, what on earth just happened? That was the expression on every single face in the room. At least that's how I remember it. So the next week, I'm sitting in the office of my supervisor talking about the things I've learned that week, and I embarrassingly tell him this story. Well, he said, you do know the collect form, don't you? I nodded my head vigorously, showing him I knew exactly what he was talking about. And then he just sat there quietly and looked at me. And so in the silence, I began to slow down my nod, paused, and then slowly and shamefully shook my head no. Rob went on to teach me the collect form of prayer. And it truly, without exaggerating, changed my life. It is so easy that with just a little practice, you can quickly create beautiful and stirring prayers. In the church, I should say, we say the word collect, though it's spelled the same as the word collect and has the very same origin and roughly the same meaning. It is a prayer in which we collect our thoughts to offer them to God. Okay, let me start by giving an example. I'll make up a situation and then compose a prayer to suit. So I walk into a hospital room. Sitting on the bed is Susan. She greets me as I enter, but her demeanor is subdued and markedly sad. She tells me of her diagnosis and then says she's feeling lost, alone, 
alone in all the midst of what she's facing. Then she asks me to please pray for her. So the following would be a fairly typical prayer that I would say in the hospital room using the collect form. Holy God, gentle and loving spirit who suffers with us and who walks by our side in our times of pain and loneliness, send your Holy Spirit to so surround Susan with your comfort that she might sense your presence, draw strength from you, and feel the healing power of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. So that was a prayer that followed the collect form. Now, there are really just five sections of the collect form, and it's really simple. The very first one is to name God. A little bit like at the beginning of a letter, you'd say, Dear Dan, if you were writing me. So it's normally just one or two words for naming God. Then the second part is probably the most powerful part, and this is really the key to writing this kind of prayer. So first you begin by naming God, then you describe God. Then the third part is really what we normally consider the prayer. That's where you say to God, please heal someone, or please give us a safe journey, or whatever the things you want to say. And then there's the close, which is kind of in a letter the way you would say, you know, it's good to have spoken to you yesterday. Sincerely, Dan. So that's kind of the last tagline and maybe the sincerely. So you do the close and then amen. And that's it, five sections. So let me do this again and do another one for you and break it down a little bit more. So let's say I've been asked to say a prayer to Thanksgiving First, there are many ways that you can address God. Remember, the very first thing is just name God. Depending on your tradition, we use lots of different names. And in the Christian tradition, we have many different. We use the word Christ, Creator, Loving God, Holy One, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Almighty God. The list goes on and on and on. But try to remember that the name you choose for your prayer for God should have something to do with what you're praying for. The woman in my example who was fearful, I used the term, phrase, holy God, because to me it felt gentle in the moment. And I kind of thought she needs a sense of the gentleness of God in that moment. For Thanksgiving prayer that I've just described, I'm being asked to say, I would probably use the phrase, the two words, Creator God, because it's a holiday that celebrates God's creation. I prayed for a woman one time who'd just been raped and had come straight from being raped into my office. And out of pastoral sensitivity, I was careful when I prayed with her not to use overly strong, aggressive, or masculine images for God. Then, after naming God, we describe God, and this is the part that really sets a prayer apart and makes it seem wonderful. This is where people will think, how did you do that without ever realizing that you followed a form? Whatever the prayer is about, this portion should describe the attributes of God which are likely to be relevant 
to this moment and this prayer. For the woman in the hospital, I spoke of God being present with us in our times of difficulty. In a thanksgiving prayer, I would speak of the act of creation. So I would say something like this at the beginning of the prayer. Creator God, that's the naming God, who created all the creatures of the air, the sea, and the earth, and gave us the abundance of the land and called them all good. Okay, all I've really done is I said, God, you created, and then I described how God created. But I've set up, using just descriptive words, the body of the prayer. Now for the body of the prayer, I will add something about blessing our time together and offering thanks and a charge for us. So this is really, when you do the collect form, this section is the part you would normally think about being the prayer. And most of the time, this more or less writes itself. Somebody says to you, look, I'm feeling sad and I want the sadness to go away. I'm estranged from my friend and I'd like that to be fixed. And I'd like God to teach me how to not be quite so difficult around people. We've given three things. That writes itself. So all you have to do is put those into words. Most of the time, the body of the prayer writes itself if you just pay attention to what's going on and what you're being asked to pray for. So the body of this Thanksgiving prayer, bless our time together this day. Hear our prayers of thanksgiving for the abundance you surround us with every day and make us good and faithful stewards of your creation. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, breaking this prayer down one more time, we name God, Creator God. We describe God, who created all the creatures of the air, the sea, and the earth, and gave us the abundance of the land and called them all good. Bless our time together. Then we say our prayer. Hear our prayers of thanksgiving for the abundance you surround us with every day and make us good and faithful stewards of your creation. Then we close. In your holy name we pray, and then we say amen. Amen. That's it. Name God, describe God, pray, close, and say amen. Let me add one little hint to this. Since we're talking about public prayer, if you are in a setting in which you have people of different traditions, it's easy to offer a prayer that allows everyone to participate without leaving any particular faith feeling compromised. The places you need to pay attention to are the naming of God and the closing. If you begin with Holy Savior as the name for God and end with in Jesus' name we pray, or in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it will work well in an exclusively Christian group, but it's not going to play well for people of other faiths. If you pick something like Holy God for the name of God, and you end with, in your holy name we pray, everyone gets to have space to make the prayer work for them. Now, I've certainly had members of my churches through the years who count the number of times I say Jesus, either in a prayer or in a sermon, to determine my faithfulness to the Christian faith. I have little patience for such litmus tests. There is nothing Christian about excluding people and forcing things on them with which they are not comfortable. 
And even if you believe that every person in the world needs to be converted, you're not going to get there by being insensitive to other people's feelings. That's the end of my sermon. I hope you've found the collect form to be helpful. I've described it as being used for public prayer, but I have certainly used it many times to write a prayer for myself or when someone has asked me to write a prayer for them to use in their personal prayer life. Just remember, name God, describe God, pray, close, and say amen. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. If you'd like to offer me a question for me to answer, you can get in touch with me through email or Twitter. Just remember, both are SkyPilot with three T's. That's skypilot at gmail.com, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T. And Twitter is SkyPilot as well, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. Thank you.